0: Today on Barca Talk, FC Barcelona won another Barcelona Derby on Saturday, defeating Espanyol 2-0 at the Camp Nou, and Lionel Messi has now hit the 40-goal mark for the 10th consecutive season. The big game is next weekend against Atletico Madrid. FCB Femini are on to the semi final in the UEFA Women's Champions League. Barca B have some players that Ajax might want, and Gerard Piquet attributes his banner year to leaving the Spanish national team. Now some news. The defeat of Espanol on Sunday brought Leo Messi level with longtime Real Madrid goalkeeper Icar Casillas for the record of most games won in La Liga. Messi has now won three hundred thirty four of the forty Messi has now won three hundred thirty four of the four hundred forty five matches he's played in La Liga. That's a seventy five point one percent win rate. Among currently active players, Sergio Ramos is next in this statistic with 300 wins out of 456 appearances for a 64.8% win rate. It's unlikely that Ramos will overtake Messi in either raw numbers or percentages, and Sergio Busquets is in third with 257 wins. Mundo Deportivo has reported that a number of loans to Ajax may be in the works as part of the project to bring Matthias De Ligt over from the Dutch side, the report names Barca B players Alex Coyado, Oriol Busquets, Juan Miranda, and Chumi as potential targets for Ajax. Speaking of Barca B, golden boy Ricky Puig earned some well-deserved attention in his appearance for the Catalonia national team in a friendly with Venezuela last week. Coming on for Gerard Piquet in the 52nd minute, Puig became instrumental in setting up Catalonia's first goal. And speaking of Gerard Piquet... He reflected on what a good year he's been having at Barcelona after the Catalonia friendly with Venezuela, attributing his fine form at Barcelona to the fact that he no longer plays for Spain. While he did just play over one half of the Venezuela friendly for Catalonia, Piquet clarified the distinction between that and playing for Spain. He said, I needed to rest. Catalonia only needed me for one day. The two things have nothing to do with each other. While resting over the international break, he also appeared on late-night talk show La Resistencia, where he had a few laughs at the expense of Real Madrid journalists and Espanyol. The appearance sparked a mild media backlash in the absence of other football news. More on that in a moment. All right, this is Barça Talk. I'm Brian Henderson in Buffalo, New York, joining me as always is Gabriel Quiroga in Madrid. Brian, Brian, my Barça brother from another mother. How you doing, buddy? I'm a little tired exhausted actually <laughs> i'm exhausted had a very long day on saturday we're recording this on sunday but a very long day on saturday i was running slash hosting slash doing a bunch of things at this um music conference kind of an academic conference we had some papers being read and stuff that uh, that i put together i've been putting together this year at my uh, doctoral program so we finally had the event yesterday it went off well uh there were a couple of technical glitches that we had to Deal with, But we got those all sorted out. Everything stayed pretty much on schedule. And the the keynote speaker was great. The papers that were from other grad students were great. We had a nice concert in the evening. Megan played a piece that I had written for her really beautifully. She's only played it once before, a couple years ago. And she played it again last night. And of course, I've heard her at home practicing for the last, you know, couple months or so on this piece and man she just it blew my mind how beautifully she played it it was wonderful like it, the first time she played it it was rushed the the concert she had was learning a lot of new music and it's a very difficult piece it's very you know delicate and tricky so it went fine it went well even but it, but last night she really proved that it's a like an actually beautiful piece of music so the whole thing went great but I'm really really tired now. So that's what's going on with me today. How are you? What's going on? I'm I'm echoing your sentiment, man. I'm tired as well.
1: I, <laughs> I had a I had a long day yesterday. Um you know, it's interesting Brian when I first moved here to Madrid, I, one of my first flats that I lived here, I lived in a flat with seven roommates. Yeah. Almost like the real world, you know. And uh I mean it was did it things was actually, get real? Yeah, no, that that was a good thing. Things did not get real because I think since we all had our own bathrooms in this place, we were able to share a living space and get along really well. And I just had people there, flatmates that were from all over Europe. And I made really great friends with those people and I still see them from time to time. But every year with my three flatmates, I got along with really well. So one guy from Italy, one guy from Germany, one guy from Spain, and myself. So it's kind of like that joke, you know, when an Italian and American and German come into a bar type of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we always try to meet once a year, and, and of course, they love coming back to Madrid. So yesterday or this weekend, they were here, and basically, we started at 11 o'clock in the morning, and we ended at 5 o'clock in the morning. Ooh, <laughs> wow, yeah. That's a long one. But it was worth it. It was a lot of fun. It was really nice weather here yesterday. So we were outside uh, in some terraces just talking and catching up, hanging out, you know, reliving old stories of living in Madrid the first year together. And then um, we had a really nice dinner and then we went out for drinks and we went to some bar for a little dancing with some other friends as well. So it was a really long night, but a lot of fun. But again, I'm just tired today, but uh, ready to bang up this episode for sure.
0: Yeah. And it was totally worth it. It sounds like.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And like we always talk about, we just have to get together more often, Um, especially, you know, uh, with my friends that live in London and in in Hamburg, it's easy for them to come. Um, But again, you know, life gets in the way and and you just kind of remember, you know, sometimes you get run out of time to do do other things, but they're going to try to make more of an effort to come to Madrid more often. So that's great.
0: Yeah. Seriously, one of my best friends uh, who I used to live with back in Southern California he lives in New York City now, and when I moved to Buffalo, I thought to myself, "Oh man, I'm going to be getting down to the city on a regular basis because it's not that far from Buffalo, and I'll be, you know, be able to visit with him more frequently." I saw him more when I lived in San Francisco than than when I live here in Buffalo. There's just something about how difficult it is to, to get from Buffalo to New York City. Well, also, I've been really busy, of course. You know, I've got school going on and every weekend is like something new or like I have a class on Friday, so I can't do the long weekend thing. But, yeah, I've, I've been down to the city maybe twice in the almost four years I've lived here in Buffalo. It's weird how just life gets in the way. And even though it seems like it should be easy to visit your friends, it's, it, it's hard. It is hard. It is hard. We were talking
1: um, that we should just always meet in April. And that should just be kind of something that's set in stone. And then another time in October and just who can make it can make it if not, but you just have that weekend planned out. Uh, I kind of do that similarly with my friends. I have some guy friends that we get together on Thursdays uh, for dinner once a month. And I, you know, I want to kind of get that going again. And so, you know, if you can make it, you can make it, but at least you know that every first Thursday of the month
0: that we're going to go out, uh, get some dinner and just have some drinks and just kind of chill. Yeah. Yeah. What. It- If you can make it, you can, but it's happening one way or the other. It's happening. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, you know, we mentioned this news item in the news segment about uh, Gerard Piquet. He went on this late night talk show called La Resistencia and apparently said some things that sparked some controversy in Spain. I watched a little bit of it, though my lack of Spanish fluency caused me to stop a little ways in, but it seemed like, to me, a pretty basic late night appearance, you know, just really kind of having some fun. The host pretty much ran the conversation. He and PK is mostly just kind of responding to things. But again, you know, I had a language barrier. So what controversial things did PK say in this appearance? Well, it's not really that it's controversial. It's
1: the the two things. Slow week because of international break. Mm -hmm. And PK is one of those athletes that always is not afraid to say what he thinks, right? Which is great for us as I'm a huge PK fan. I love the way he speaks out. He's really good media savvy that way. And it's not so much that it was controversial. I think it was just more that he was honest with his answers and just having fun with the host. Like you said, now the host was just asking him questions and let PK answer them with different stories and so forth. So I kind of just picked some highlights of what he said. So the first thing he was talking about is that they have a WhatsApp group for the team. Right. And so sometimes they'll add random real Madrid journalists for the day to inside the group. Cause you can always add someone. If you get their phone number, you can add them to the group like secretly. So all of a sudden it'll say like, you're added to this group. Right. And then they'll put pictures of pigs or different, like just different random images. And then they'll delete that person out of the group. So it's almost like a flash mob group. What's up group. It's really funny. <laughs> and so, There's a really famous Real Madrid journalist here, Thomas Roncero, who you know is super overdramatic about Real Madrid and so forth. And he was telling his side of the story, and sure enough, he said he was added to the group one day. He saw who was in the group, and he's like Jordi Alba, Luis Suarez, what was going on? And he thought it was a joke, right? (laughs) And he just like he he basically uh, confirmed PK's story, and he said, yeah, there was all of a sudden they started sending pig pictures, (laughs) and then they deleted him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So that was one of the things And then he also said that Messi is the biggest troll In the What's Up group Really? Yeah, is that crazy? That that does surprise me I mean, it kind of does not it kind of doesn't Because I think he is... Uh very, you know, I think inside his circle of friends and teammates, I think he has a different personality and he's able to be more free that yeah. way. And I definitely, I could see that, but I just thought that was kind of funny. So uh, P- he didn't want to give examples, obviously, because, you know, kind of what stays in that WhatsApp group stays, you know, sure. kind of like Las Vegas. Right. And, uh, but he was just saying that Messi was the biggest troll in the group. So that was pretty
0: funny. Wow. I just want to tell Gerard PK, hey, here's my phone number. You can- <laughs> Let me just tell you my phone number on the show net right now, and you can add me to the WhatsApp group. And you can send me pig pictures. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, that'd be. I would just love to see the chat
1: history on that thing. Exactly. You know? Oh my gosh. Oh my screenshot, gosh. Screenshot. 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 Exactly. <laughs> um, the other. Th- the other thing about that WhatsApp group was the. The host asked him, "You know, who's in this group? You know, is it just players now, or what?" And PK said, "No, there's some ex players." And so the host goes right into is Neymar in the in the in the group and pk without thinking goes together so he is in the group i mean that is just so brilliant <laughs> yeah so Neymar's in that group <laughs> nice um but the so other that's, question that's fun that's fun stuff that is fun stuff and then the other question we'll, we'll go into some other questions so the question the host asked him uh when was the last time or how many times have you had sex in a month <laughs> which is kind of like a really random question. And PK, without thinking twice, he goes, does the two times that the Bernabeu count in the <laughs> last month, like just brilliant, you know, just brilliant. So like, he, he's like a comedian, you know, he is, he's so fascinating in this way. He does have um, a quick wit. Yeah, super quick, super quick. Um, then they were talking about Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, they were bringing up this, this picture that was taken of them when, they, when Zlatan was on FC Barcelona. They were in the parking lot and it looks like they were about to kiss. Yeah, I've seen that picture. You see the picture, right? Yeah. So they brought that up in the in the talk show and so forth. And PK was talking about Zlatan about he has a he loves money more than anything. And I didn't know this about Zlatan. I'm not really, I don't really follow him that that well, so I don't know. But he said Zlatan has a famous saying, he said, Money's not important.
0: More money is important. So that was pretty interesting. Um, well, let's if see, you look at career trajectory, that would that checks out. That does check out. That does check out into his personality. Yeah. yeah. And then he also
1: kind of um, trolled the Espanol fans in the crowd there, talking about how uncreative their songs were towards him. So obviously, you know, Pique's un cabrón. That's Pique's an hole. <laughs> Shakira tiene arabo. Shakira has an ass, right? And tu hijo es de huacazo. So this is your son is... Um, Son, which is a former player of espanol and because there was kind of this weird tweet thing that happened where Wakaso was asking if shakira's uh, son was really pk and father and all this kind of weird stuff so the espanol fans always chant these these different phrases out and he was just kind of trolling them about the creativity of their songs
0: oh okay yeah yeah that last one is that's that's some insider stuff yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah,
1: so he's just always is laughing about that because, you know, he, he just trolled them as well. And then the, other, the last one too is just talking about the budget of Espanol. He said that he's worth more than the budget of Espanol. Right. He is individually <laughs> worth more than Espanol. Yeah, exactly. And so of course the next day, Espanol did a whole tweet responding to, to PK's comments about how they value players and not just money and all these different things. And it's, so that's pretty much the controversy. I mean, it's. I mean, you can see these, when you take the phrases and you break them down, it's not that controversial. He just is open, and it's kind of refreshing because a lot of times athletes now are just really guarded because uh, everything, you know, with social media and so forth gets blasted. And again, Brian, it was just a slow news week this here in Spain. Obviously, with PK, he's such a, a controversial uh figure because of the catalan background and so forth so with
0: those two things that's why it seemed bigger than what it really was i see well i do know that uh some journalists asked valverde about something at least at least one or two things maybe that pk said in this um this appearance and valverde was just pretty much just shut it down which i thought was also good you know he's like i'm i don't pay attention to that you know it's a comedy show I'm focused on Espanol in the pre-match press conference, but so what? What was there? Some other responses that were coming out in the media in, to something that he had said in this, or? Well, it's funny. Do you think he even knows what the comedy show is, Valverde? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's, he's like, up I, at midnight. That's when. Yeah, it's he's on. like, I've,
1: I've been told it's
0: a comedy show. I don't know what comedy is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean Valverde is nicely in bed by by midnight. When yeah, that exactly. show comes on. He maybe he yeah. doesn't even have Movie Star. Yeah, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't. Uh I think no, we're I mean, starting he, to paint a picture of Valverde as some kind of a monk <laughs> who just <laughs> lives in a box and comes out for training, press conferences, and games. <laughs> Pretty much. And then he's in his office for a little bit and then goes home. Right. Yeah. You know? Looks at his one uh, piece of paper, looks at the schedule that he has on the wall, and then goes home. Exactly, exactly. No, I mean, the other thing you, you asked about the media, um,
1: you know, people just asking about PK's comments and so forth, it's just the Real Madrid, Madrid journalists on the Chiringuito show, they were just, you know, hounding his comments as well. But that's pretty much it. I mean, it's just more, more, Brian, of anything, it's just because it was international break, and there wasn't any other things to talk about. And it was just the perfect timing because it was, I think, a Thursday night. So it just gave extra fuel for the weekend going into the weekend games.
0: Yeah. And well, and it's a good time for him because part of, you know, what's creating such a good year for him, what's giving him the ability to play so well this year, because he is having a great year, is that he's not on international duty. That's true. That's what he said. He said he's able to rest more in between those international breaks. He's not, you know,
1: he's not playing as much. Um, obviously he played for Catalonia, but like he said, it was just the one match. And again, he's able to be more refreshed. And so he's been able to notice that this year. And obviously we've seen how great, I mean, he's, he's going to be the defender of the year for La Liga, I think.
0: Wow. Yeah, no, yeah. I I would buy right. it. Especially right. in that last, I think it was the last Clasico where Real Madrid was, just, was putting these crosses in and he was taunting them to just keep putting them in. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> pretty good. I mean, just, just think about the
1: minutes that he's played this year. He has been really solid, on defense this year, more solid than in the past years. And I could definitely take credence to that. I mean, just playing less games with the Spanish national team has led him to be fresh. And as we saw yesterday with the team as well, that some of the players that didn't play, you can just tell they were, they had a a bounce in their step a little bit. I mean, they didn't play really well at the beginning, but at least their legs looked fresh going into this last difficult stretch run that we're going to have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Looking sharp now. Let me ask you, are you excited for next weekend? Brian, (laughs) I cannot wait. I mean, I'm counting. I
1: mean, seriously, Brian, like my train travel, I love traveling on train. It's the best. Uh, And just, you know, going to the match, meeting you in person, just everything. You know, finally, just I can't believe it's here. I can't believe it's going to be this following weekend, man.
0: I know it's uh, it seems to to have kind of crept up on me. But that's mainly because I just have so many things going on right now. But I'm so looking forward to it i'm really excited so yeah next weekend if uh if you haven't been paying attention on the podcast here next weekend we're going to be together for the first time ever gabriel and i at the atletico match at the camp nou we have some really good seats we're going to be kind of amongst the flag wavers as i understand it right oh nice is that i i forgot to actually check i don't know where we're going to be seating but the important thing is that we're going to be sitting in the Camp Nou watching Barcelona play Atletico Madrid in what could be the decisive match of the league. Exactly. I mean, and
1: also we're going to see all the stars. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's also going to be cool. I mean, we're going to be able to watch them warm up. Obviously, we're going to be able to sit together. That's also really cool as well. Again, just the whole Camp Nou experience. You're going to love the museum part of it, as I talked to you before about it. It's just an amazing experience. Plus, you know, just the whole ambiance of going to the match day. And again, our live event on that Sunday is going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait.
0: Yeah, so Sunday, the day after the Atletico match, we're going to be at the Red Garter, which is right by the Barcelona Marina at 3 p.m. We're going to record our show live there, and then we'll be hanging out afterwards to... uh just hang out, you know, have some Canyas. Nothing uh, nothing formal, you know, just nice, relaxed hang after we record the episode. So come on. If you're in Barcelona on Sunday, come through to the Red Garter and come say hi. Get a yeah, selfie.
1: Gonna, <laughs> yeah, take a selfie with us, yeah. you know. Hashtag Primo
0: Football, right? Hashtag Primo so, Football,
1: exactly. Ex- exactly. We're going to. You know, I'm really looking forward to that as well, just to kind of talk about our experience at the, you know, inside the match as well for next week's episode. I think that's really going to be really cool to talk about. But again, the live event's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be uh, doing kind of a meet and greet, just hanging out with some of the Pena members that are coming from Los Angeles and whoever else is
0: in town. As I mentioned in the news at the top of the show, Ajax are potentially interested in a few Barca B players. Here with a full report on that
2: is Max Blewer. The most interesting development of the last few days has been reports in Mundo Deportivo that numerous Barca B players could be loaned out to Ajax next season as part of the operation to bring central defender Matisse de Ligt to the Camp Nou. According to the Barcelona-based newspaper, the Dutch giants have already shown an interest in left midfielder Alex Collado while Oriel Busquets, Juan Miranda, Chumi, and Monchu are others who may find themselves playing in the Dutch Eredivisie next year. The clubs do share a rich history. As every culé knows, it was Dutchman Johan Cruyff along with former Ajax player and manager, Renus Michels, who instilled Barca's trademark possession-based style at the club that made him legend. You can go back and listen to the Barca Talk episode, in which Brian interviews author Jonathan Wilson about his fascinating book, The Barcelona Legacy, which explores this crucial period in the club's history and the impact that it continues having today. In the present day, meanwhile, midfielder Frankie de Jong will follow the likes of Ronald Koeman, Frank de Boer and Mark Overmars in wearing both the Blaugrana and Ajax's famous red and white kit and is the latest manifestation of what must be one of the strongest relationships in European club football between clubs from two different countries. From an institutional, historical, or cultural point of view then, it makes sense for Barca B players to be loaned out to a club that plays in Barca style, both for their own development, and also to further strengthen a relationship that is enabling Barca to bring in players like De Jong and, fingers crossed, De Ligt. There are reasons though, to treat these reports with caution. For one thing, the article does not name its sources, Or even claim to have any, and very much hedges its bets when it comes to wording. Quote Good relations between the clubs may facilitate the arrival of young players from La Masia to Ajax, and Ajax may be interested in players like Collado or Busquets. It's almost as if, perish the thought, Mundo Deportivo are pulling articles out of their backsides on the flimsiest of pretexts. Moreover, and perhaps more importantly, what interest Ajax have in burnishing young talent from other clubs? We've all seen in this year's Champions League that the Amsterdam Giants' academy is flourishing with the likes of de Jong, de Ligt or Nusea Mazraoui. These players are fighting for the Eredivisie title and propelling Ajax into the latter stages of Europe's elite competition before being sold on for enormous sums. Why would Ajax want to take players for just a year and then lose them without receiving any profit when they could be given their own youngsters' experience and putting them in the shop window? Moreover it would surely hurt the pride of one of world football's most historic institutions to accept the stages of feeder club. The Dutch are famous for, to put it politely, knowing just how much they are worth, and it seems unlikely that such a proud nation's biggest club would bend the knee in such a manner. So appealing as the thought might be, at least from a Kool-Aid point of view, I think it's best to shelve the idea of the Netherlands Premier Club as some sort of finishing school for Barca youngsters. One name absent from the list of players that Mundo Deportivo reckon might end up at Ajax next year is Ricky Pouge. Instead, the newspaper reports that Barça are trying to find a loan deal for him to a La Liga side. The club believe that he has outgrown Segunda División B and that his progression will be stalled by another year playing at that level. In the unlikely event of Barça achieving promotion to Segunda, the club might rethink Ricky's immediate future, but for now, it seems a loan to a low to mid table La Liga side is on the cards for next season. Interestingly, though, Catalonia Radio are reporting that Ricky is one of the players Barca want to send to Amsterdam, along with Miranda and Oriol Busquets, and that the two midfielders are seriously considering the idea. Miranda, though, seems to be less open to the prospect. All this talk of loans, however, fails to acknowledge that such temporary moves have rarely worked out for La Masia graduates in the past. Of the La Masia products in the current squad, only Rafinha has been asked on loan. We're not counting Gerard Piquet here, as his loan to Real Zaragoza was during his sojourn at Man United. If we look back at previous youth team products, none of Xavi, Iniesta, Pedro, Victor Valdez, or Pep Guardiola went out on loan, while the likes of Cristian Tejo, Isaac Cuenca, Sergi Sampa, or Martin Montoya did. While the latter group are all fine players, there's no doubt whose careers the current hopefuls would rather emulate. Moving on to on the pitch matters, Ambasabe snatched a crucial 1 0 victory away at Club Deportivo Ebro last weekend. A delightful goal from Monchu, that came after a 24-pass move just before half time was enough to secure the victory, with Iñaki Peña saving a penalty deep into the second half. The victory was particularly hard-fought, as as many as six players were off with their national teams. Musawage with Senegal and Merveil with the Congo, Kike Severio with Ecuador under-20s, Ronald Araujo with the Uruguay under-20s, and Abel de Rich and Juan Miranda with the Spanish under-19s, who qualified for the European under-19 championships this summer, with a 1-0 win over the Netherlands, the goal being scored in the 90th minute by Barca juvenil Alejandro Márquez and set up by Juan Miranda. Luis and Miranda both started the Dutch game and the 5-1 win over Wales. Araujo played 90 minutes in Uruguay's win over Saudi Arabia, and Wagay and Mervale both enjoyed minutes for their national teams. So despite all of these absentees, five juveniles were on the bench against Zebro. Barca Bay pulled through to blow off the disappointment of their previous week's 1-0 loss to Espanyol B, in what is known as the mini derby and just about staying touching distance of the fourth and final playoff spot. Before this week's round of fixtures, they're in seventh place, seven points off fourth.
0: That was Max Blewer. Since the last report from our women's team correspondent, Michelle Taylor, FCB Femini have played a few games and a lot has been happening with them. With a busy schedule coming up, we simply couldn't wait another week to hear from Michelle. So here she is now with a full update on the women's side.
3: Week 24 of the Liga Ibadrola was one of the most hyped in Spanish women's football. Eight games to be played, but in the press and on social media it seemed that only one mattered, Atleti versus Barca, to be played in the Wanda Metropolitano. I can't praise Atleti high enough for their marketing of the game. They really went to town, literally. Madrid City buses were wrapped with advertising for the game, and huge posters appeared on advertising billboards. The club talked to penas, schools, local football clubs, and promoted the match to their utmost. In the week before the match, three of the team's longtime players were presented with plaques to be embedded in the Atleti players' walk of fame outside the stadium. For the men's match against Leganes following International Women's Day, 20 female Pena presidents sat in the official box in the Wanda to watch the game, and undoubtedly were encouraged to get their Pena members to support the women's match in the following week. Imagine having women in charge of at least 20 Pena's. I don't think that I've seen more than three women presidents in any images of Barca's Pena's. I'll stop there, but you get the message right. Atleti didn't just let this game happen. They made it happen. They had a plan. 60,739 fans turned up to the stadium to watch the game, breaking the Spanish attendance record of 48,121, set only in January for the Copa de la Arena match between Athletic Club and Atleti, which was played in San Mamés. It also smashed the world record for the highest attendance for a women's club match, a record that has stood for 99 years, when 53,000 attended an English game between Dick Kerr ladies and St Helens in 1920. It was an awesome sight as the teams came onto the pitch with the flags flying and the club anthem belting out. Unsurprisingly, Atleti started as the stronger, more settled team, and the attempts on goal came thick and fast. When halftime arrived, it was a little surprising that the score remained at nil all. A more settled Barca got into their groove in the second half and in the 65th minute they won his corner. Vicky Lozada delivered the ball into the box and Azazata Oshwala worked herself clear of defenders to head the ball into the net. We scored. Oshwala's celebration was hilarious. She wheeled away, grabbing her shirt and almost bringing the badge up for a kiss before collecting herself enough to remember that she was only on loan and Barca wasn't her official club. But the emotion and relief was full on. It was so important that we had scored first. Not long after, Oshuala had a second attempt on goal, which was saved by Atleti keeper Lola, but the Nigerian then went to ground and signalled for help. She had torn her hamstring. Tony Dugan came in to replace her with about 20 minutes remaining. Barca continued to attack and were rewarded in the 80th minute when Leila Wahabi crossed in from the left. An Atleti defender got her head to the ball and it whizzed past Lola and looked to be going into goal. Tony Dugan certainly thought that it was and had her arms up in celebration. But the ball hit the post and then bounced back out to Duggan, whom it then made sure it went in. Mad celebrations. We went to Madrid and won 0-2 in front of a world-record crowd. If we had lost, we would have been nine points behind Atleti and they could have celebrated winning the Liga at the end of the game in front of their home crowd. But we denied them that moment and remained three points behind. Should we win all our remaining games and Atleti lose a match, the teams will finish the season on equal points but will win because of the head-to-head results. It's unlikely that Atleti will lose, but their pressure is certainly on them until the end of the season. Encouraged by this win, Barca went into the first half of the Champions League quarter-final tie in high spirits. Scandinavian clubs are always at a disadvantage in European competitions because their football seasons have different timing to avoid playing in their winter sub-zero temperatures. So Alice Kay Kavina arrived to play in the mini four days before the first game of their new season. Three minutes into the game and Tony Dugan scored the first Bagrama goal and had her brace 20 minutes later. Barca was three up after 36 minutes when Marione scored a penalty kick after an LSK handball in the box. And that was the scoring done for the game. We had some chances in the second half but couldn't add to the tally. And the feeling was that although Barca had a three-goal advantage, we didn't really put the tie out of reach of the Norwegians. We were going to have to keep the pressure on for the return game a week later. But before the team could fly to Norway, there was a Liga game to play against Valencia, played in the mini-estadio in front of 2,200 fans, the third highest attendance for a game this season. The only goal of the first half was scored by Tony Dugan in the 18th minute, as Valencia dug deep in defence. It wasn't until the 84th minute that we could get a second goal when Mata Torohon scored, and three minutes later, Lika Martins added the third, a just reward of a goal to go with her two assists for the game the Dutch woman with a player of the match performance, as she reaches excellent form heading into the business end of the season. With Valencia out of the way, focus then turned back to Champions League. LSK Kavina usually plays its league games in a covered stadium, and that's a no-no under Champions League regulations. So the game was arranged to be played on LSK's main pitch, Orlesund Stadion. The first images of Bas's training on the pitch lit up social media, tweets such as, That looks like a potato field, and that pitch could do with a coat of green paint and my local pitch is better than that which were all valid points because the pitch was awful more brown than green with huge holes where players cleats were ripping out the turf to be fair to the club they had recently replaced the pitch but a norwegian winter isn't kind to new grass and it was suffering so both teams headed on to the pitch on fairly equal terms. The home team usually plays indoors on artificial turf and Barca with more experience on a variety of pitch surfaces but without the home crowd support. And it was great support. 5,600 people in the stadium. Even Erna Solberg, the Norwegian Prime Minister, was there. What a buzzy atmosphere. The fans didn't stop singing for the whole match. Despite the pitch conditions, Barca managed to start the game with a lot of possession and quick passing. In the seventh minute, Mel Serrano crossed into the box from the left. Mariano Caldante laid off the ball for Lika Martins, who lofted the ball into the right side of the net. And with that advantage, three home goals and an away goal, Barca went into survival mode. Unfortunately, that meant that the game wasn't the most exciting to watch, but given the state of the pitch, it was better that injuries were avoided. Two subs were made just before the second half started and one of the players to come on was Natasha Andonova. She had a great half, denied a couple of goals by some stellar goalkeeping and her goal olympico attempt from a corner kick looked to have crossed the line. Certainly the Barca players in the box were convinced but without any VAR reviews the goal wasn't awarded. So now we're in the Champions League finals, the second time that Barca has progressed this far in the competition. Last time our opponent was Olympic Lyon who went on to win the trophy. This time we'll play Bayern Munich, the Bavarians reaching their first semi-final. It will be an interesting match-up. The German side will play a physical game, and Barca will be the more technical team. We should be in for a very good couple of games towards the end of April. Visca Barca, i forza Barca femini.
0: That was Michelle Taylor. Follow Barca Women on Twitter for ongoing FCB Femini news. And now, for the Barca Talk Guard of Honour. This week we're going international and giving Francis Tony in New South Wales, Australia, the Guard of Honor. They support the podcast at the FCB Femini tier of $6 a month. We appreciate your support and engagement with the show, so please enjoy this pasillo. And you can get involved too. Support the podcast through Patreon. Just $3 a month will get you a private feed for the show that you can set up in most podcast apps. And the episodes you get in that feed will be free of the very few commercials that we do have on the show. So you'll just get pure, uninterrupted Barsa Talk. At the Barca Femini tier of support or higher, you'll also get our Thursday bonus episode in the feed. And each tier of support comes with discounts on Barca Talk merchandise in our newly expanded store. We now have t shirts and notebooks bearing the hashtag PrimoFootball or we have messy, you don't catchphrases you hear on the show regularly. There's a link to Patreon in the show notes, but if that link isn't working, just go to barsatalk.net and click on support the show to get to Patreon. Now, one other way you can help support the show is through our Amazon Marketplace. Every week, Each of us will select an item on Amazon that we like, and if you're interested in helping the show, you don't want to do the monthly Patreon thing, you can just purchase that or just follow the link, and any purchase you make on that visit to Amazon, a few pennies will filter down our way. So what we're going to do is we're going to tell you about our products this week, and we will have links to those products on our webpage in the notes for this episode, so at barsatalk.net, and open up the full notes for the episode, and you can find the links there click on those and and all that. So, Gabriel, let's start with you. What is your item this week for the marketplace?
1: Yeah, since we're both traveling to Barcelona, I think an important thing to have with you is a good power adapter that you can use for all your mobile devices. So, I selected kind of a universal power adapter that you can use for any region in the world. It's really cool because it also has 5 or I think four or five USB slots so you can charge your phone, your camera, you know, whatever else you need your iPad or whatnot. And so yeah, and it's around $20. And it's a really good item to have, especially if you travel outside the US.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at this thing. And I think I might see if I can get this before before we get on the plane, because it's it's this really cool little brick with all the adapters you would need to for wherever you're going in the world. And then it just has everything else set to go. So that's really cool. Now, I'm gonna pick up on the travel theme and this is my actual backpack this is the <laughs> this is the backpack that i use it's called the life easy travel backpack but it's really cool i just got it really specifically for this trip but now i've started to just use it day to day it's really flat and compact and it has like a nice front pocket for books and you know backpacky things but then it has this middle compartment zipper closure that's also expandable for clothes and then it even has you know a laptop sleeve in the back so it has these nice three compartments and it also has a usb port built in it doesn't come with a power bank but so you'd have to get that separate but you throw a power bank into there and now you can charge your phone while you're walking through the airport for example with your backpack on it's it's designed to fit under the seat of an airplane So if you're taking a short trip and you can get all your stuff into this one backpack, you don't even have a carry-on. You just have a quote-unquote personal item. And, you know, with all the fees now and things changing in the airline industry where they nickel and dime you to death just for having a carry-on bag, this thing is a really great solution. So I love this backpack. I'm a big fan of it. So that's my item this week. Yeah, I think it's a really cool item because especially when you travel here in Europe,
1: it's better to travel lighter because you are going to be walking a lot. I mean that's that's the thing. So to have that backpack, I was you were telling me about it. It looks really cool, especially that you can put it under the seat, and you can expand it. I think are really cool features of this travel backpack.
0: Yeah, Megan actually took it to San Francisco recently, and it was the only thing she took. And she was just going for the weekend, but it fit everything that she needed. I mean, I'm also bringing an actual suitcase on this trip because we're we're going to be we're going to be in Spain for about a week. So I am bringing a full a full ish you know, like a carry on size suitcase, but I'm definitely going to have my backpack and that's what I'm going to be using for, you know, getting my stuff to the live event so that we can record the show and all that. But yeah, it's a really cool, really cool thing. I was very glad I got it. And it was only, it was only 20 bucks. So that's the marketplace. Again, just find the episode notes for this episode on the website, net. And if you're interested in either of those items, you can click on the links and, and then, you know, we'll get a few, get a few pesetas, to come our way from that purchase. <laughs> all right, now let's shift to La Liga. Now on Saturday, it was match day 29 in La Liga. Espanol came across town to to play us at the Camp Nou, and the lineup that Valverde made, you know, he was not pulling any punches, and they created a lot of chances in the first half. Particularly, Messi was pulling some magic moves out all over the box. But no goals came out of those chances. Later on, Valverde switched out Malcolm for Arthur in the 60th minute, and that shifted Coutinho to the midfield, and that did put more of a cutting edge on the attack, and the scoring finally started with this really cheeky free kick from Messi, and then he got another in the 89th minute with the help of Malcolm. But going back to the beginning, I have a question to start things off. Because Valverde went with Piquet and Longley in central defense, so... I'm wondering, has, has Umtiti fallen out of Valverde's favor? Because we know he's had injury troubles this year, but he played both French international matches during the break, 90 minutes each. He seems to be fit. He had a decent amount of rest between the last France match against Iceland, and now he's got Espanyol in La Liga, but he doesn't. he's on the bench. He doesn't get in the game at all. So what does Umtiti have to do to get back into a Barcelona starting lineup, it's an interesting question. I just think in this situation, Valverde is just riding the hot hand
1: with Longley. Longley has been injury-free for the whole season, pretty much. He's probably grown in favor, you know, for Valverde to pick him, you know, for the strongest eleven right now, currently. And I just think, you know, especially Umtiti probably is still kind of going through that injury process as well. So maybe he is a hundred percent, but getting better and more and getting stronger in practice so i don't know if he's really fallen out of favor but i don't know either i don't know if we're going to see him again and for like these tough matches i mean because i honestly think especially after long light's performance yesterday how can you argue to switch um TT in there at the moment you know
0: right no that's a good point and you also raised an even better point i think which is that It just seems, judging from Valverde's lineup, he is definitely a hot-hand manager. He likes to stick with what is working right now. So there's really nothing, maybe, there's nothing that Umtiti can do to get back into a Barcelona, into the starting eleven. All he can do is wait for Longley to screw up, and then Valverde will turn to Umtiti as an alternative. But as long as Longley is still playing well... Umtiti is going to sit on the bench yeah that's a good point or an injury right that's the thing I mean
1: you know what I would do is just rotate the three of them right exactly yeah so that's not what
0: Valverde would do clearly yeah I know
1: I know because (laughs) the thing is Umtiti is a very valuable defender right he's one of our most valuable you know defenders on the team and so you know one theory you could do is obviously what he does right now just use two but for me i would maybe take long late at, off the 80th minute and put him tt and then just rotate back and forth kind of like that just so at least is a little bit more match fresh if something were to happen if we need him he's ready to go because defending you know it's, it's it's a really difficult thing to get back at a top level like that and you kind of you know the more minutes that he has then um tt will be able to help us out if if something were to happen in the in the next couple of games
0: right so that I mean like that would be a very kind of like proactive approach, but, and this isn't necessarily a criticism, but I think it's a fair observation that Valverde is more reactive uh, with his lineups. That's just his style.
1: You know, his background coming from athletic Bilbao, which is, you know, mid tier table team, you have to ride your strongest 11 into the ground. Essentially. Yeah. You don't, you don't have a choice. You don't have it. Exactly. You don't have a choice, but here in Barcelona, you know, especially with the players that we have on the bench, the depth we have you have to be able to manage that and you know this is a tricky problem you know because last year um had a banner year for barcelona he was a top-notch defender and now he seems to be healthy healthy enough to play and start and Valverde is going with Longley, so you know i would like to like you said i would like to be more proactive and just put him in these matches you know somehow rotate and so forth but again i I don't see him coming into a major match because he's just going to ride long
0: leg as far as he can. Okay. Here's what's going to happen. Here's, here's a possible scenario. First leg of the champions league quarterfinals, mm-hmm. man United. We go up three goals. Um, Titi doesn't play second leg. Um, still hasn't played, but now he gets put in for the second leg and we lose five to one. <laughs> wow (laughs) oh man that took a dark turn (laughs) yeah that was a dark turn but i'm just saying like it's possible that something like that could go down and like you said it would probably require an injury on the part of long rather than you know some kind of mistake or something like that but let's let's talk about what happened during the actual match so starting off espanol they played with five at the back i mean they brought the bus the truck and the submarine
1: back
3: there
0: (laughs) yeah
1: They you know, they were definitely very conservative. They wanted to play everything in front. They thought I mean, and also you can tell the way they shifted the five towards the middle and towards Alba side, knowing and predicting what we've been saying all the season that they were going to play through the middle and to the left. And so, you know, in this, this match, you know, for the first 20 minutes, Brian was definitely just trying to get your legs under you again, you know, from playing with your teammates on Barcelona again. It, was, it had that preseason feel a little bit for the first 25 minutes, but then, you know, they were able to kind of find holes in the defense. But I have here on my notes, Brian, they still need to shoot more. Barcelona you know, needs to shoot more. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is we're always looking for the most beautiful goals. And sometimes you just have to shoot to make sure that the goalie goes down the ground. And then all of a sudden you never know if you have a rebound. Remember, The idea is just to get goals, right? So, you know, I remember one moment where Alba was, you know, basically one-on-one with the keeper and he centered it instead of just taking a shot, you know, and you just never, I mean, you always know Alba's looking through the middle, you know, and Diego Lopez was shading that way. So, There was enough of a hole that he could have shot. Now, I'm not saying he would have scored, but at least he surprised the keeper. And then Suarez, too, had a couple opportunities where he could have shot. He always looks to pass too much for me. When other teams like this, you know, lower-tier teams in La Liga are playing five in the back in this type of defensive strategy, we need to be able to shoot a little bit more often to break that defense up a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, I I think this, you're right, that a lot of times Barcelona are trying to, make the most beautiful goal. I mean, I don't think that that's how they would characterize it. Mm. I think it's more that they're mentally they're operating on this, this kind of elevated level where a lot of times they, they look better against even better teams than against, you know, slightly not so good teams, lesser teams. But so it's like, it's a question of like, are you going to try and think differently about your approach and go with a more, almost brute force approach and just keep taking shots, taking shots, taking shots when that's not really kind of like the level that you think about the game at it's, it's hard to shift in that way. I think, because if you're used to, and if you've really, you've spent your career at this club kind of getting into this almost elevated way, you know, thinking almost like chess, you know, thinking like one, two, three passes ahead of time. And so you're looking at it in this slightly more complex way it can be difficult to just say, take shots, you know? I mean, they've done it though. <laughs> I, I forget who it was, but earlier on in the season, they were having a rough time getting goals in this one match and was against a lesser opponent. And eventually they just started throwing the ball into the box and they just kept doing it, kept doing it, and they finally scored and they, they did it. But it is it is rare to see Barcelona take a, that kind of a brute force approach.
1: I mean, this is important because when we get into tougher matches, where, like you said, our passing, our last pass, are not finding its way, we have to mix up the attack. Because if the defense, as I always say, is the defense knows that you're not going to shoot from outside the box, the def- it makes it easier to defend always. Now Rakitic has some nice shots from outside the box. They didn't come close to make a save for Lopez, but at least they kept the defense honest. And that's all you want to do, right? Especially when you are... I don't know four meters away from the goal. You got to take a shot. Yes, you got to take a shot, right? And that's what I'm talking about. Those moments. For example, there was a moment where Suarez was one on one with the goalie, and he looked, and instead of just taking a shot, he passed to the middle. And I think that was an opportunity wasted. So, in that opportunity, Suarez should have taken a shot. And I think those—that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just to throw, you know, thirty shots from outside the box like that to change. But we just need to also adapt, especially when a team is playing five in the back. You know, we have to figure out a way, right? Right. I mean, eventually we did just because of the attack and superiority, but that didn't happen till what the 70th minute. So, yeah.
0: And that was on a free kick. So that wasn't even a, a run of play thing right now, as you mentioned, you know, Espanol were prepared for us to be going down the middle and the left and looking at the right side of the pitch. The thing that you notice, particularly in this, because Sergio Roberto came in for Semedo in the 60th minute, 59th, but you know, 60th is that. You look at the first 60 minutes of the game, and then you look at the last 30, it's pretty clear that Messi doesn't trust Samedo, and Samedo winds up kind of playing alone on the right side.
1: Exactly. And you could see that when Sergio Roberto came, Messi was more open to going up the right flank, essentially, and play with Sergio Roberto. And again, I think it's twofold. You know, it was the Malcolm substitution. So you had that energy on the left side, but also playing on the right side with Sergio Roberto. Now, I don't know what, you know, I think when Dembele is on the right side, it's a completely different dynamic. You know, we're able to spread the field a little bit more, but there's something where Messi just doesn't trust Semedo yet. You know, I think it will come. I just think that, you know, Semedo just doesn't know how to play with him to give the ball back to him quickly like he likes it. I think that's what's missing a little bit. So I think Messi prefers to play with the players that are going to give him, you know, the ball back quicker. So that he can make the play as opposed to Semedo trying to make a dance step over, kind of limiting the possibilities and then giving the ball to Messi. So, But it was interesting because right when, I, when Sergio Roberto came in, there was like three plays in a row where all of a sudden we were using the right side again. And I, that really flashed into my head about that that trust
0: issue. Right. Yeah. And you, saw, you actually saw Messi out there almost on the touchline. Sergi running in and there was actually one really good through ball that, I, that Messi put in for Sergi and then of course he starts his run in and you know it all it all kind of fell apart but it was something that you don't see when is playing.
1: When we're in this formation of this weird 4-3-3 that we'd line up in the beginning it's not really a 4-3-3 because we're not occupying all those spaces when we do occupy those spaces it doesn't matter with what players but when we occupy all the left and all the right and in the middle we have we're so much more dynamic and the defense doesn't know where to focus on. So that's a big difference, you know, and we need, they need to embrace it for the big games because that's when the defenses are even going to be better playing with just four in the back as opposed to five.
0: Right now, also uh, Malcolm putting Malcolm in, in the 59th, 60th minute, actually giving him some time to work into the play rather than, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes at the end, Malcolm comes on for Arthur. And it really did make a difference.
1: I mean, Hallelujah, Brian! Right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God! And he got came in the 60th minute, so he was going to play 30. I mean, that was, you know, I I was super happy. I mean, you, I, I was hyper focused on him as well as soon as he came in because I was like, "Don't screw up, buddy! Don't screw up!" You know? (laughs) And I was really focused on him and his positioning and so forth. And two things that I noticed right away where he is the difference between him and Coutinho, Malcolm is a goal scorer. And you can see that play as day. You know, it's like he is going directly at goal at all times. If the ball was on the right side, he was following up on the left. He was really looking for goal. Whereas Coutinho is always trying to pass and go to the middle, right? That's kind of the thing. Right. But also the energy that Malcolm brought. You know, it was noticeable when he was pressing back, when he, you know, had to play with Messi in the goal, when he was linking up with Alba, all this type of thing. You can see the energy that he gave that attacking side. And especially when Messi was attacking on the right side more, it spread the defense thin and they were able to have more opportunities as well.
0: Yeah. And he just, he just brought a lot more tenacity and the Malcolm's runs are, I want to say better than Coutinho's. The thing about Coutinho is that he'll, he'll start to make a run, but he kind of gives up on them pretty early. Malcolm will take a run to the point where he's in an offside position and, and then start to maybe work backwards and he'll, he'll run hard until he's in an offside position, Coutinho will sort of like start a run and then kind of look back and decide that he doesn't want to continue it. And I think there's something about that also, because I think Malcolm opens himself up to those opportunities more. And I think he's a little bit faster than Coutinho as well. So in the second goal, for example, Rakitic just knew to send him and he sent the ball downfield. Malcolm caught up with it, outran the defender. And then he did a really good job holding up the play, waiting for Messi, for example, to catch up puts in this cross and that was the second goal. Yeah, the other thing too is
1: if you notice next time if he plays watch this aspect of his game with his positioning is that whenever the ball was, you know, attacking and he hit the the penalty box area, he would streak towards the middle. And that is something that Coutinho does not do. It's just kind of a natural goal scoring thing that he does as opposed to Coutinho. And when he does that, the defense has to respect that. Right. They have to follow him. That opens up a hole um, with his speed. He's always using the touch line as well. And again, I just think his energy being so young, uh, so spry, so youthful, you know, this type of thing, you can see that he's, he's the new kid on the block and he wants to impress. And so, you know, it was those two substitutions were immediate, you know, you know, I like Samedo's defense this year, he's been playing really well, but when Sergio Roberto goes on that right back, were able to be more balanced and that led to the two goals in the second half.
0: Right. So the first goal was I honestly cheeky is the best thing I can best word I can think of to describe it. Right. It's 71st minute. They get this free kick, very good position. And Messi does what you would not expect him to do. He kind of sand wedges it in. It was so soft and delicate. He just floated it into goal. And Sanchez was backing up. He even got his head on it, but he couldn't keep it out of the goal. I, that, I mean, that one made me squeal. Honestly, I squealed with laughter at that goal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the commentators were asking if the defender wasn't there, was Diego Lopez going to get to the ball? No. He wasn't. Yeah, exactly. They did the replay like two or three times from behind, and they estimated that he probably wouldn't have got it. Now, I think I thought if the defender didn't get there, I, th- I thought it would have been a more amazing goal, right? But the idea of it is crazy. I mean, we've seen now, right, defenders are laying down on the wall, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're not jumping, okay? And now they're having one guy float back. And the guy that floated back, it was supposed to be the safety valve And he is so, you know, because it's such a soft chip, he's going backwards, it's going, you know, the ball is falling, it's hard for him to position himself, and then he heads it into the goal. So it's like, if you're defending his free kicks now, how do you do it?
0: Right. (laughs) He keeps coming up with, as you say, the counter to the counter to the counter. Exactly, exactly. And again, man, it's just another free kick,
1: and that's why he's the best that's ever, because now he's just, you know, he is just mounting up the goals for all these
0: free kicks you know i'd have to check the laws of the game but i'm pretty sure there's not actually a rule in the book that says you can't have players of the same team standing on the shoulders of other of their teammates
3: so what we might start
0: seeing is a wall that's actually made up of eight guys four sitting on the shoulders of the other four it's the only way they could stop him
1: yeah. And then he'll just do like a layoff pass to someone or something. Right. Right. <laughs> but, you know, it's again, messy for me, you know, with these free kicks, what he's done the last four years has been incredible because essentially these are free throws of soccer, football, you know, you, there's no one bothering you, right. You have a clear shot. Obviously the distances change, but if you practice everything, you can always gauge your distance and velocity on the shots, and he's been able to take advantage of these free opportunities like no other.
0: Yeah, he's really elevated that aspect of his game. Now then in the 89th minute, we were still up 1-0, but we did get this second goal off of this play that Ter Stegen really gets going because Espanyol had a fairly threatening attack going on, but Ter Stegen finally gets the ball in his hand, and he throws it to Rakitic at midfield, pretty much at the halfway line. There was a little bit of a one and two between Rakitic and Messi. But then Rakitic just sends Malcolm down that flank. And this is the one I was talking about just a minute ago. right? Malcolm drives. He holds up. He crosses it back in. And Messi finishes on the run. That was primo football. It
1: was primo football. I mean, how fast did they do this in 10 seconds or less?
0: Yeah, it took like no time at all. It was a yeah. great counter.
1: Again, I think another underrated aspect of Ter Stegen is reading when to start that counter you know that's a thing that you kind of a lot of keepers try to do and they misread the situation but tersteg in that moment great cross or great pass you know to to basically start the counter and when he did that 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 pass, basically, or that throw, you know, it was basically 30 yards up the field, right? And then all of a sudden Rakitic started Messi, and then you said, just like you said, it was a great ball by Rakitic to spring Malcolm. And he was all there by himself waiting, and he had to make a really precise pass to Messi because it was through two defenders, essentially, and Messi just hit it one time and again. From 10 seconds, from one point to another point and a goal, and nothing espanol could do about it
0: yeah yeah now we do have another game uh, la liga match day 30 the league i guess is kind of trying to catch up on the international break because match day 30 is going to be midweek tuesday and wednesday everyone's playing and then match day 31 will be at the weekend so for us we're going to be going to match day 31 against atletico that's going to be the big one and you could look at this match coming back from international break as kind of a warm-up for that but also we do have villarreal on tuesday so this is another warm-up opportunity. Uh, Of course, you know, it's a competitive match. You still want to get three points out of it. You don't want to take it lightly. But, of course, looking ahead to the weekend, Atletico, you know that that's going to be a big one. It's going to be tough. They're such a hard defensive team to play against. So we've got this Espanol match and now Villarreal on Tuesday to try and really gear up for Atletico next weekend. Yeah, this is going to be a tricky game against Villarreal because it is a midweek game. You don't
1: want to put all your eggs in this basket because of the Atletico match coming up. Messi is carrying an injury, Suarez is carrying an injury. We have to manage the minutes against Villarreal. Villarreal is at the bottom of the table. We should be able to beat this this team. Use a little bit of the of the bench for this for this game. I you know for me I'm the most nervous for Messi for these next weeks because you know Valverde came out and said he's been you know with this injury since December. So with all these minutes piling up especially with the intensity of the games as well you know messi's really going to try hard to do as much as he can so i'm i would ho- you know hope that you know valverde limits suarez and messi a little bit use the bench and uh, because atletico is going to be tough like you said not only defensively but they're physical they're really really physical and one thing we have for us against atletico that just happened over the weekend or yesterday is that diego costa got injured with his hamstring so he may not be available for the Saturday match which is good for us because he is you know super annoying player that is the player you'd love to hate
0: you know right right <laughs> well and they had, atletico did have a, a good weekend as well beating alaves 4-0 with with two uh, excellent goals, yeah, they had
1: two long range goals. Diego Costa had a really nice kind of flip shop upper ninety uh, from outside of the box where he kind of surprised the keeper and then thomas party who I, that's that's such a great name. I love that guy Thomas <laughs> Party it's such a great name uh, he had a, a long range shot that was upper ninety as well, so those were really two goals they won four nothing uh, again, I thought i didn't realize we had a midweek game, so I thought you know both teams were going to be. Uh, looking good coming into to the Saturdays game. But again, the midweek is always tricky because, you know, how are we going to deal with that? Because we are, you know, we have Atletico and then we have Menu after this. So what are we going to do for the Rio Real? I would hope to be, as I always say, proactive, use a little bit of the bench, but I don't think that's going to happen.
0: Right, yeah. Well, like we said, the proactive versus reactive, it would be nice to see a little bit more Malcolm. It would be nice to see Malcolm in the starting 11 on Tuesday. That seems like a really natural thing. He played really well against Espanol in those 30 minutes. Give him the start on Tuesday. I think he's earned it. Yeah.
1: And then have him play for Suarez. Exactly. You know, have him play for Suarez and then have Suarez come in for 15 minutes just to kind of warm, you know, just to get loose and that type of thing and to have him make an impact on the game, but also not extending his physical, you know, his physical ability on that. So, that's how i would do it i would love to see malcolm you know we especially every time he comes into the match he does positive things and so use that positivity and write it like we talked about with the long lay situation write it right yeah
0: go with the hot hand go with the hot hand Thanks to Max Bluer and Michelle Taylor. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing by Brian Henderson, music by Brian Henderson and Johannes Brahms, social media and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. Support the show through Patreon at BarcaTalk.net. Until next time, Visca Barca!
3: Podcast Network.